Hello? Bro. What's up? Peace and greetings from the sign of the rising sun. This is the Divine Council Podcast. I'm Stefan. And this is Mon Quay. Welcome. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, uh, to another episode, episode six. You know, we just decided to do this one on a whim. You know, we, we're, we're trying to become uh, more consistent with the releases, so... That's how this one happened today. And yo, I mean, it's it's really uh, it's because like it's because of of the listener, you know. This is what we've been doing, you know. We've been we've been we've been, we've been dropping heat, you know, through audio, through uh, through conferences and groups and stuff like that. But this is the first time we've ever taken this to like a actual platform, and to know that we have people listening in Mexico, you know, Canada. The UK, to know that we even have one listener, period. It just made me want to go harder at this. Absolutely. You know. Go ahead. Because I feel like this this could be uh something big, you know. This could be something like a um sort of like what do they call it? Like a souvenir, like a time souvenir. Um when like people, you know how people sometimes they bury things and then they'll for they want people to find it many years in the future. Like a time capsule. This could be something like we can look back years from now about the discussions we had and you know, look at where we were then and how we progressed in life and hopefully, you know, with the the knowledge that we have to pass to people that they can take something from it and they can grow as well. Exactly. God continue to grow through the age of Aquarius, continue to ascend and uh, transform and, and grasp onto this information that's been uh, thrown at us and that's, uh, that we've been bombarded with. You know, um, we are in a, important times and we are a, a part of an important generation. Uh, 94, the nineties babies, you know, we feel like, the bottom line is the reason why we came back is we have a duty and obligation to bring peace back to the earth and to uh, spread knowledge and information. And this is what we're going to do. We're not worried about no money. We're not worried about no dollar signs. We're not worried about nothing, but spreading this information. And um, with that being said, you know, I'm, uh, I'm on a little 10 day hiatus from, uh, you know, the corporate slavery that I'm, I'm experiencing at the moment. Um, you know, it's just a stage in my life right now, and uh, I'm positioning myself to, to get up out of it, but it is slavery, but whatever. I'm back home, 10 days. I'm back in, you know, back in Stanley, and it feels good, man. It's nothing like being home, man. I actually uh, I got to chill with some old heads last night, and it's, it's, it's really, you start to realize the, uh, the barriers that were put in place within the, um, within the, the, the community of the the black community or the indigenous community, especially between man between males, you know I had the opportunity, you know my uh, part of where I'm from, part of my um, my lineage, I mean I mean that's got felons on on the on the left and the right, male and female, so I mean I got stories for days, and I always try to pick their pick their minds to absorb the information that they that they have uh the experiences that they have been through, so that I can. So I, did, I, I can survive because it's the same thing that we're going through right now 
in 2019 that our fathers went through, that our mothers went through. You know, absolutely, absolutely. They fathers um, and their mothers went through something similar, but it was just a different type of uh, a different type of war that was placed on them. Yeah, they didn't have <clears throat> they didn't have access to the amount of uh, resources that we have today. But what they did do with the little that they had, they made sure to pass it to us so that we could have better than what they had, and. Like you said, you know, they went through the same uh, same type of struggles that we're going through. It's just we're dealing with it in a different light, you know, with social media, um, like the social justice warrior movement, uh, feminist movement, you know, immigration. It's a lot of stuff being thrown and thrown at us to, like, distract us from what's the, the true goal, which is to raise the consciousness of our people, you know, because in the age of Aquarius, people are waking up, as I said um, multiple times before, people are waking up in the community and it's, it's great to see, but we need more than just for people to wake up. We need uh, people to come together and we need to uh, mobilize and come with agendas on how to uplift the community and to get us back to where we were once before when we had like uh wall streets black wall streets hey yeah we was i was we was just had a discussion about that last night and you know i always say i'm i'm the i'm from the perspective that people don't understand that black wall street wasn't just in tulsa oklahoma that was everywhere you know um where i currently uh reside in the research triangle park in Durham, downtown Durham, they have a museum. Um, uh, when it's a church downtown Durham, but it's like a, like a um, it's African American heritage museum. Also, uh, it's a historic site. It's like right downtown Durham, and uh, within that museum, they shoot, they shot out the Black Wall Street that was within uh, Durham, North Carolina, um, which was called Little Haiti. And a lot of those people had lineages back to you know Haiti, and it just basically outlines it. I definitely I, I recommend to. Uh, for, the, for y'all to, to visit it. Um, and that just kind of showed that Black Wall Street wasn't just an anomaly. Motherfucker, that shit was everywhere. Black Wall Street was the thing. That was, Black Wall Street was the culture. That was, okay, that was the, that was life before integration. Right. Know, that runs deep. But before we integrated, which I have, uh, you know, my opinions on how integration went was that was the way they went about integration was uh, it was a, a setup. I'm not saying I'm against integration, but what I what what I am against when I go back and research the history was the fact that Black Wall Street wasn't just like I said a thing. Like that was just that was life. Like that was just how we had. That was what. That's how it is for your for your group of people to be able to uh, survive and be self sufficient and have an actual community. If you kind of if you get what I mean. That's what though the images that we see of our uh, grand great grandparents, uh, our grandparents, and those uh those fox, uh, the fleeces, the minks, the, the animal furs, and they driving around in the Model T fours, and the, the, all everybody had cars, jewelry, chains on them. Those the images that we see that they show us, the little bit of the green images that they show us, that was everywhere throughout the whole United States. That was everywhere because at that time, the indigenous, the Negro. 
you know, the Negro, the, ne- the Negro has an actual meaning. The Negro at that time was able to sustain itself as a community. We had our own businesses. We had our own economy. That's just what that was. And I know it's a mindfuck to actually see that. And it looks like a fucking fairy tale. But that is the, that, that is the reality that my grandparents talk about. And that is the reality that we are going to get back to. But it's going to be a long and enduring process because we got to reverse engineer all the traps that the Matrix, you know, applied, that, that it placed on us, basically. Yeah, and, and it's not like when those ended, the, um, it's not like when, when it, when they were destroyed, not ended, that they weren't thriving. They were at the height of what was to come, and who knows what it could have been if, um, those places were never destroyed like they were, because the the money they were making, they were making so much money, they were making more than the dominant society, and that's where that's when it became a problem. Um, so they had to come in, and you know, you see, you hear about like in Tulsa, obviously with like the fire bomb, the fire bombs that took place and whatnot. But so they had to come in and destroy it, literally, and people just turned their eyes to it, like that nothing happened, you know. And over time, we've uh, tried to rebuild, but it's extremely hard uh, because of like the um, the rates that go into starting a business or getting a loan to begin with. You have to deal with like zoning laws in certain locations and redlining. Yeah, with redlining, uh, it's hard. But uh, with your credit and whatnot, they make it difficult on the uh, black community to start businesses again. But I mean, it is, it is very doable, you know, as everybody has seen, or for the most part, if you've seen the study saying that uh, black people's buying power equals uh, approximately a trillion dollars. If we were to allocate that money into starting businesses then we could pretty much be our own. We could be our own self-sufficient um, community, and I can. I think we could literally uh, break away from the U.S. as like a sovereignty if um, we were to do that. But see, an, an, one issue that we have right now that's plaguing plaguing the community in terms of businesses is that people do not. We don't, it's like, we don't trust each other. We don't, we don't um, mess with what we have going on because we feel like we're, we're being scammed, you know what I'm saying? Or being finessed or whatnot. So we'll go to the dominant society or we'll go to um, like somebody that's pretty much vulturing off of us and feel like since they've been doing it, they, they've had control for so long, they just want to keep going with what they know. They don't want to try something different. In terms of, uh, say, like a beauty supply store, when you have Asians running the store in a predominantly black community. But if you have a black person start their beauty supply store and maybe they have higher costs on their products because of the situation they come from, uh, they have to look into uh, the overhead costs and it may be more expensive for them to start off because, you know, I, I don't think a lot of people realize that with um, these Asian owners that come into these communities that have these uh, stores, 
their money is passed down from generations. So the black people that come in to this and want to start businesses, they're starting from the ground up and they're getting these loans with these very high interest rates. So it forces them to sell their products at a higher price to start off with. So a lot of people feel like in the community, you know, they don't trust them and they feel like they'll be finessed and whatnot. And that's something that we need to uh, work on moving forward. See, that's just a part of the whole system that we in, you know, that the whole system set up to make it hard for us to get back what is already ours while at the same time trying to um, get us out of this economic uh, deprived situation. This is, I mean, what we're going through is just the product of a war. So, like, really, it is set up for us to fail. But at the end of the day, you have to understand who who you are, who your spirit is, who your soul is, and and who what you, what you come from. And I know, like, usually the, those who have the hardest battles, it's a reason for that. It's because you know they're preparing you for the godship that you uh, that you have to experience or that you will experience in the next in the next life. But you know, back. Back to reality, back to, you know, the Black Wall Street and the actual economic situation of the indigenous people. Um, people don't understand how easy that, you know, the images that we see of Black Wall Street, that's what, that was around the Great Depression. And right. also to add to that, people understand that we were just being the actual, at this time we were, you know, classified as the Negro, but like, you know, a little bit at the, around the same time, right before that, we were the Native American. So CNI, we just came out of, as a Native American, we just came out of the past three to 400 years of, that we know of. It was, this shit has been going on for probably thousands of years of us being uh, poisoned uh, biologically with small box blankets, our, um, our classification being changed hundreds of times, um, our history being erased and actually put back in a time capsule. And uh, let me explain that. Basically, what was done was a lot of the stuff that you read in the books, they just took a lot of the dates and they put a, they threw that shit back in time. So a lot of the, like, so you might see some shit where they say Columbus sailed the ocean blue in 1492. He might have actually did that shit in like the 1700s, in like 1792, because they are creating the dates. So a lot of the history that, what, that they say about us, you know, being like kings and queens, even the shit that they can't disprove, like the shit that they can't disprove, like how they say a lot of these... Like, I think they said it was a uh, king over in Africa that was the richest man of all time. And they put his, they said that that shit was back in, I mean, they made it seem like it was so far ago. Mansa Musa. Yeah, Mansa Musa. They made it seem like he 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 uh, ruled so far ago that what that does to your mentality, it makes you, it, it creates a disconnect. When in reality, a lot of this shit is, very, is fairly recent. This is why we have, it's fairly recent. This is why it puts so much trauma on our mind. This is why we're in the stage right now of having amnesia. See, we're still in the stage of having amnesia because that shit is so fucking recent. You know what I mean? That shit is not, that shit didn't probably didn't happen in whatever, like 10,000 BC. That shit was in like probably the 1700s. And um, I don't have my laptop on me right now, but um, I might have to add on to this episode and I can pull up a quote from a book where Benjamin Franklin, um, in, a, uh, in one of the books that he, in one of his books that he wrote, Benjamin Franklin, he has an excerpt in a paragraph where he says that he explains how the whole world was of tawny or swarthy complexion. And what that means, tawny is a T-A-W-W-N-Y, 
and that means of a, a fair of a fair skin, basically light skin, and a uh, swarthy is S W A R T H Y. That basically means like dark, like dark skin, like um, like dark, like like you know copper color. And it's an excerpt of him saying that how the whole world in in, this, in the late seven, it was like in the seventeen eighties, how the world at this time, everybody was of swarthy and tawny complexion, and that the only people that was of actual white complexion only resided in England. So what I'm trying to let people understand is that what like what what happened with time, like that shit wasn't you know ten thousand years ago. That shit was a lot of this shit was within the last hundreds of years, and we are being born in the nineties. We're being born now because the trauma of having the, the whole planet being black to being killed off, you know, from going like we, we are in, in an extinct period right now. We're in an extinction period. This is why we are the, the, the sun and the stars are making the people wake up because we are damn near extinct. All our brothers in Australia are gone. All the brothers in, in Asia are gone. All the brothers in Canada are gone. All the original brothers in South America I mean, well, they're actually still there, but like Central America and like, you know, going up more northern towards, you know, North, North America, they're gone. All the people in Europe that were of swarthy complexion, they're gone. So what I'm trying to say is we have been, it's, we in, this is a fucking war. And we are in a time where the trauma that we have experienced is because this shit has been relatively like recent, but a, a play has, has been put on, on actual on actual time to where it made it seem like it was so far back, it added to the amnesia and it created a disconnect. So when a brother like you and me, when we look at, when we look at a little bit of the true history that, that can't be disproved and we do see, you know, a positive light of a young, of a, of a black male, they make it seem like this, these were people, these, this wasn't us. This shit was in 1232. When, when, your and, mind, when you and, think about that, you're like, oh, well, you can't relate to that. That's a disconnect. And, when the reality was that was probably in the 1700s. And to add to that, you know, pretty much coming up with uh, the public school system, they teach you off the bat that black people's history started with slavery when that was the biggest lie ever told. I mean, it doesn't take you but two Google searches to see that, uh, well, let's not say black, but indigenous people have been here uh way before the Europeans came to uh, North America. There's proof of that. And you can look it up through <clears throat> the pyramids that are placed throughout, uh, I want to say, what is it, in uh, Central America. And you can look at the, the way they look in terms of like the noses and the features, which I talked about before, how people have come and chipped off the noses because those are, features of the original man and that proves right then and there that the indigenous people have been here for way longer than what they painted out to be and you know they try to they what they do instill it in us from an early age you know they say you know we started off as slaves to try to destroy us mentally at an early age and that does uh with that trauma you talk about that trauma they add that that does um, play a factor into how a lot of uh, our community is coming up now and how a lot of them say that, you know, they're dealing with like mental illnesses and whatnot. It comes from the public school system lying to us from the beginning, you know, not 
telling us what our true worth is when we really were the kings and queens and we really were the ones that ruled this earth um, for hundreds, if not thousands of years. And like you said, with recent times, because I do not believe the way they paint uh, slavery out, I don't think it occurred the way it did. There's more to it than what we know of in terms of, you know, the big buzzword is 400 years of slavery, but we were not all enslaved to begin with, you know? So. And I'm going to piggyback on it. I'm pulling up my phone right now. Cause I got a, um, I found a guy on YouTube that I'm going to, uh, direct the listeners towards the, uh, you know, I think it's profound. Uh, on YouTube, it's this guy uh, that I, I actually started listening to him today. His name is uh, Opie, Opie, Opie Mia. It's spelled O-P-E-M-I-H-A. And the video that I watched, it was um, he was basically outlining um, indigenous Native Americans in like the 1700s. Like basically, he found a, he found a document that had in like written documents showing like actual like court cases and affidavits between citizens of uh of Virginia, North Carolina, and South Carolina of like Native Americans. Like it showed like affidavits and like actual like law documents of like them suing each other and them trying to like it, it man it, it, it's, it's a mindfuck. I just want y'all to just go and check it out. Like it just talks about how like basically they were inter- interacting at that time. But what was even more profound about it is within the documentation, uh, some of the people, you know, some of the, you know, they had names like how we have today. Like, they had, like, it was like, I think I seen a Shadraic. Sh- like, it was like, you know, like, names with with uh, flavor like like we have today. So that ain't never changed. That's one thing I picked up from it. And the second thing I picked up from it that some of the people had to classify as, they had to put within the affidavit, within a statement, that they were free. Like, it was like, I guess at that time, it, you know, some people were, who had never been slaves, and at that time, some people were free and some people were slaves. Like some actual indigenous people were free and some were slaves. So yeah. like I guess what I was picking up on with like certain with a lot of these like with these like affidavits and these and the stuff I was reading from this video was that some of these people with these exotic names, like some like some of our brothers and sisters that we have that that have, have today, some of them were had to put within that that you know free. They had to put like freed or free man. Like after to classify it that that they were free because you got to think at that time if you were free you were under another set of laws so if you're if this is a law document you have to put you know that I'm free because you can't you can't put me under the laws of the of those who are enslaved because at this time it was some people that were enslaved but it was profoundly because that sh- that shows that people some people were free and they were indigenous so that means that we were all not enslaved. Yep. <laughs> we didn't. We did not all uh, come from the continent of Africa, even though we are distant relatives. But we are not directly connected, um, as many would think we are. And once again, you can do some simple uh, Google searches, and you can look into it, and you can see, you know, <clears throat> the lies that. Uh, again, the public school system put into our brains at a young age and manipulated it, you know, but we're coming up out of that state of mind and we're denouncing it. 
and this this uh feeds into what you see going on in politics and whatnot with uh, debates going on about issues that we're having. So yeah, that's important. That's important that uh, that's important that there was proof way back then of people being free. But you know, if you let them tell it, <laughs> we all just started off as slaves from uh, the beginning of time. And my apologies about that. My uh, I think my uncle just came up and was just saying what I was what I was up to, but. You know, we got business going on right now, so we'll, you know, we'll, we'll handle that. But to piggyback to that, um, yeah, it's a lot of profound knowledge out here now that we have the internet, and we we have basically a walking, a walking damn computer. Like we have a walk, we have everything in our hand. Like all all day, all I do is I'm on my phone on YouTube on Google, just looking up different ways of different information. Yeah. Different things, and the biggest information I'm looking up is who I about who I am. I'm trying to determine, figure out who I am, because I start it's, it's 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 hard to it's hard to understand what's going on when you start when you start to finally wake up and realize, damn, this whole thing is to make sure that I don't wake up. Yeah, everything is positioned to make sure I don't wake up. Understanding, so like, it's another layer to this shit. Like, you know, you can be within your own community, and when you're within your own community, and you're one of the only few to wake up then you find yourself within another hell because you can't just tell people what's going on. It's got to be like, it's got to be a they won't, shit. They won't be able to uh, process it. If yeah, so it's like, you're just like walking walking alone. And this is kind of what we got going on with this because we don't really have nowhere to go. So we kind of, this is where we're trying to give everybody peace with what we're doing also. Absolutely. You know, um, but yeah, you walk around with the computer in your pockets all day. I mean, there's no excuse uh, when you have abundance of information at your fingertips. But you have to also take it with a grain of salt as well because just as much truth, there is um, a lot of lies out there as well. You have to be able to um, sift through the lies to find the truth and to find out who you really are, you know? And also I would say to uh, look into reading different books as well, because, and look at books from people, I want to say in like the early 1900s and beyond that, because that's where you get a, a sense of where the people of our community, where we were at. And, you know, if it's uh nonfiction, that is, you know, um, but yeah, we just we've come to this place of understanding who we are and more people in the community are waking up, but there's not a lot of um there's not a lot of uh collaboration in terms of this in terms of uh this movement, you know. We want more of our people people of all ages but more people of our age as well. Um the millennials to come into this information so we can do things about it. You know, we can, we can, uh, have action, you know, um, and not just talk about what's wrong, but be about it. And, you know, to resolve the issues. We Mobilize. Need, yeah. We need more. We need more of that. We need more of that throughout the community. Um, so, yeah. I think the first step is just to be apathetic towards the system that we have. And, 
what pe- uh, people understand how powerful apathy is towards what because see if you're if you're apathetic if, if everybody wasn't to vote if everybody wasn't to pay taxes if everybody wasn't to you know if everybody didn't go to work if everybody's just apathetic about the system that we, if everybody was to wake up and just be like fuck it i'm just gonna do what i want to do today if everybody was to do that this shit would just go this shit would melt like the man the, the fucking sun might explode or some shit like this shit would like shift the whole consciousness because like we not they don't they can't have one hour of everybody moving at the same at the same wavelength. It will make this shit collapse because we are slaves. Like we are we are the ants that make this shit move. So let us if we stop and stand still and and do and move as one for one period of time. It doesn't matter how long that will be. It would just collapse this whole thing. But there's so many distractions and it's not it's it's you can't underestimate your opponent. People. People are well. Our people, a lot of them, have just become um, complacent with where they at in life, working dead end jobs, and not. I mean, having dreams of wanting to be more in life, but not wanting to pursue it or not wanting to take that risk, and you know, are afraid of losing their jobs because of the family, you know, the family needs and whatnot, but. If you truly want to make a change, you cannot be afraid of a failure or what's to come. See, I believe in uh, destiny, so I, I believe that what is going to happen is going to happen regardless of what choices you make, because this is already this is already uh, played, you know, back. This has already um, happened with like deja vu, you know, where you feel like you've um, experienced something before. You know, that that just shows you right there that life and history, it repeats itself. So you cannot be afraid to take a stand for something, something that you believe in, because if you don't take that stand, I mean, what are you going to like when you look back at your life? If you make it to um, live a long life, say, like in your 80s or whatnot, you look back in your life, do you feel like you are? accomplished anything of importance by just working say like a a factory job for 40 years you retire you know but you don't what what do you have out of that you know other than you have some social security but not an entire lot you know you just missed an you you missed a a huge portion of your life just giving it to something giving it to a machine for 40 plus hours a week for 40 years and knowing that that's not what you wanted to do. So you got to be able to, you got, you can't be afraid of taking uh, risks in this life. You know, you got to be able to put yourself out there because just with success comes a lot of failure. You cannot be afraid to fail. Like I'm, I'm open to failing. I've, I've failed a lot in life and, I know I will continue to fail until I reach the point to where I'm supposed to be, which is my my peak. And I haven't reached my peak yet because I'm still growing and still learning who I am as a person. So we just need more people to be able to um, more of our people. We need them to be able to um, not be afraid to take that jump and be open to learning this knowledge and being able to uh help with pushing it and advocating and mobilizing.
you can't be scared to jump off the cliff. That's my new saying right there. Shit. I see something. I'm, I'm, I think I'm about to take a risk. I'm like, shit, I'm about to jump off the cliff. You know what I mean? Like, fuck it. Go ahead. You got to go get it. Because at the yeah. end of the day, like, if you ain't if you ain't trying to, if you're not being aggressive, if you're not trying to, like, take a risk, you're not going to ever get the reward. You ain't never going to change the, the shit that, that's going on. And I, I'm, I'm from the mindset of, like, shit, I would rather... I would rather just be aggressive and just be as risky as I can to try to get that reward and grind my grind my ass off to try to change the shit the, the situation that I'm in instead of sitting back and doing nothing and continuing to be in the situation I'm in. Cause shit, if I fail at trying to change my situation, only thing that's gonna happen is I'm gonna still be in the same situation. Yeah. So I mean, you know, it, you don't win if you don't try to change it. So you gotta you gotta jump off the cliff got to do it just go ahead and do it if you see something you got to put your mind to it and see the picture make a picture of it frame it and just actually work towards it and make that shit manifest make that shit manifest because like right now um being in and i'm in the mid-20s being you know shit being in your teenage years you know being young we still got so much more life to, to live ahead and like it seems like the old uh, as time is expanding, shit. The four the forties are the new twenties, <laughs> and they say yeah. no, the damn fifties are going to be the next the new twenty. So like, really, man, like the reality is you gotta you gotta just shoot for the stars. You can't be complacent, and it is a time and a place for being being complacent. Let me don't don't get it twisted. It is a time and a place to kind of finally set to settle down and settle in, and that's different. That's at different points for everybody. But I feel like if you have a certain mindset of wanting to make a change and, and wanting to actually, you know, do something big, then right now, you got to just go for it. You got to just be, just do it. You can't just be, you can't just be complacent with like wanting to stay somewhere and want to just, you know, go through the motions every day. Yeah. If, if that is the case, if you go, if, if you want to do, if you want to stay somewhere, you got to want to, uh, well, you got to want to expand and adapt and, and, just try to change something. What I mean, what what is the point of living if you're not growing? If you're just staying stagnant, you know, in one position, you can enjoy your job. You know, you know something that you enjoy doing for the course of what twenty plus years. But if you're not growing in within that job, say taking on bigger positions, then what are you doing? You, I mean, you're wasting time. You know, in my opinion, you've got to always have goals to to go higher in life. Even if, you know, like I said, you enjoy, uh, say, like you work a factory job, you enjoy working at a factory job and you you work on the uh, conveyor belt. Well, within five years, you should be trying to be the manager of that plant. Within another five years, you should be trying to be the regional manager. Another five years, you should be trying to be a, a, a manager or I want to say like a, the person over an entire, say like an entire state, rather, or a couple states. You know, you got to... Regional gotta, manager, you know, I'll keep on going up. Yeah. Just you keep know? on going up. Stay on that rocket. Because, I mean, that's the easy way to continue to progress because... You know, 
we could just be there for five years and be like, right, I need to change. Boom, go for that next position. And be like, okay, do that for a couple years and like, you know, master that and then boom, go for the next one. And go for it. Just keep keep your opportunities open. This is a good time we living in. What a time to be alive. So it's a certain energy that you gotta that you gotta kind of grasp onto right now and take advantage of it. Yeah, you can't. Um, if you don't have a family, well, even if you got a family in your twenties, like your twenties, you're you're really young. You shouldn't want to be complacent and just happy with working a regular 40-plus-hour-a-week job. You know, you should strive to want more while you still are young and you can afford to do that. But then again, if you have a family, I can understand why you wouldn't want to be as aggressive with uh, moves that you're making in terms of business. But if you're single and uh, successful, you should be trying to build as much as you can so that later on in your life, you won't have to do as much and you can do what you want to do. You know, you can travel the world and maybe you can uh, pick up some new hobbies, you know, that you always wanted to do, but you never had time for, you know? So that's, that's what this, uh, I, I want to say, yeah, that's what the twenties are about. Like yeah, was, the piggyback on the deck, uh, what Jay-Z saying in uh four, 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 he was speaking on generational wealth. Like right now, we can lay that foundation to start generational wealth. Man, that means you. That means your your family. Like that means you will be looked back as, like, the one who created this empire. You would be like looked back in history. You would made a, you would have made a, a change on the earth. You would have made a change on society, an impact for your family, by just what you're doing now, by the by the foundation that you're laying, you know, right now. And it's never too late. It's never too late. Because life, like, as we can tell, life just, it can t- it can change at any moment, at any time. Like, there's people that can live in the, live full of life to their hundreds, you know, to their hundreds. There's people that don't quite make it. So, at the end of the day, it's not anything to worry about. Just live your life and try to live that life to the fullest and expand as much as you can. Yeah, that's what it's about, you know, just growing and uh, looking out for the people that looked out for you and for, and looking out for the people that will come, you know, in the future. Um, but, yeah. Yeah, generational wealth, that that's big. That's big on the table. Uh, things that I want to look at, too. And, um, you know, like we talked about before, land and... Yeah, what were you about to say? I was about to talk about the uh, this Draymond Green contract. Okay, we switching we, we switching I, topics. Okay, yeah, I, I was you know I, I was thinking about it. I was, I was just thinking about it for like the last ten minutes. I was seeing something where you know he was getting paid four mil, four years, a hundred mil, and I think Giannis is still under the, under a contract where he's he's getting paid. He's uh, his is four years, a hundred mil. And I didn't even read the comments. <laughs> I would have been there all day long. But I don't really know how I feel about it. Like, I mean, I think he deserves it. I, I've said for the longest that he is, uh, after Curry, he is the centerpiece of that team. Without him, they would not have those championships. 
You can't argue against that contract. Yeah. I mean, you can. I mean, if you look at the analytics, which I mean, I I feel like I used to hate analytics, man. But like, and I still feel like a lot of the anal- analytical like stats that they they make up, some of them are just complete bullshit. But I feel like the reality is it's three realms to like when you look at, when you look at sports, it's what you see. It's a subjective. It's like what you what you can process. Well, I guess you can call it the emotional aspect of it. Then you got st- statistics. Then you got uh, analytics. So really, to make a to create a good opinion on like an athlete, I feel like you have to balance those three out. And a player that can that can emotionally you know drive you, that can emotionally pull the audience, that is really good statistically, but is also really good and in- with analytics. That says a lot about that player. And but with Draymond Green, if you look at analytics, I mean, some people can be like, okay, so what? What has he done? You know, he has won Defensive Player of the Year. Some people can be like, but what has he done, like, offensively? Like, what is he? What what kind of impact has he has offensively? Because you would say that type of that type of contract is more so for an all around superstar. And I, I'm going to explain how he deserved that contract, but I guess somebody can ask like, what has he done on offense? To, he's, uh, warrant he's their He's their best playmaker, and I think the analytics show that he's probably the best point guard in the fucking league. Like his like turnover ratio compared to his his assistant, the turn turnover ratio is like on the level of an actual true playmaking point guard. His act, and then when you look at him play, he doesn't turn the ball over. He makes, I mean, he has a he has a glitch play with that low post alley oop. Uh, he he just he deserved that contract. And now you know when I first looked at it, it was weird. I first looked at it and I didn't know how I felt about it. But I started thinking I was like, yeah, like that. He's actually like he's he's just so he's so underrated that I think when we look back, I think Draymond's gonna be one of those players. We're gonna look back. And he's gonna be better when we look back at him. Like, yeah, I, th- I think a lot of people they'll say that he's uh, overrated because he he's had. Really, for like the past couple seasons, a struggle with shooting from deep. He's just his his touch is not there offensively, but what he can do on offense is create space and opportunities for his teammates like Curry and Thompson to get easy shots from deep. He create he spaces the floor. Like no other, like uh, Ford that really I can think of, other than like, say like LeBron, um, maybe when he was in his prime, you know, um, the way Draymond sees the floor is is crazy, it's you know. It's, he is he is a he's a special talent for sure, and I don't think he should be looked down upon just because he has um, he has issues with scoring the ball because there's more than that, you know, for basketball. And he can do – he's great at defense, and he can do a lot more on offense, you know. So, I think we're he deserves it. We're going to look back at Draymond Green. And this is, where, this is why I was saying when we look back at him, he's going he's, he's gonna to actually look better when we look back at, uh, you know, Draymond. When we go, go back and think about his career when he gets into the Hall of Fame, I'm, yeah, I, I mean, I think he's – the reason why I said go, the reason why I'm going to go ahead and say that is because he's the type of player he's he's transcending the league right now, and 
each every few years, you know, you have different, you have little, you know, different dynasties. You have different. I mean, you have rule changes. You have a different play of uh, a style of basketball. And if you look at what's going on now, you're looking at all around superstars being that next, like that next, that next uh, face of the league. Like Kawhi, he's like really, really good defensively. And he can do everything offensively. And I think that's the next step for Draymond. He lost that weight. He can do everything on the court, but score. But the situation that he's in is literally all he has to do is rep that shot and figure out, you know, a go-to move on offense. And that team is already so naturally spaced that he can transcend that he can transcend the NBA. And you can't say, nobody can say it's impossible for him to improve. We literally are just, right now, we're seeing three players that come to mind when you think about, when you think about, like, unpredictable, like, I guess, improvement and potential. Kawhi Leonard, Giannis, and Pascal. Nobody predicted them. And that's still, like, that's still, like, we, we thought they would reach a certain ceiling. They busted through that ceiling. And that's still, like, they haven't even reached that, that potential. And Draymond can still be within that, like, he can he can kind of be in that class because this past year it was a whole another Draymond Green and he was already defensive player of the year before that he was th- already star before that. If uh, if the Warriors uh, would have won this this year's finals, if Curry didn't get Finals MVP, I think there was a strong discussion for Draymond to get it yeah. because again the way he played in the finals. He just made it, the game a lot easier for his teammates with the Warriors team that was depleted of uh, talent. Offensively, he he found a way to help keep them in the game. You know, he's uh, unorthodox for his uh, his size and position that he plays. You know, he's really, like you said, like a, more of a point guard than he is a, a power forward. But the way he sees the court is like none other. Like his court vision is top tier. And I think, you know, he deserves that contract for what he's contributed to those uh, championships they won. I don't think the Warriors are done either. I think, you know, we're having, uh, you know, Willie Cauley Stein down there and then, you know, D'Lo and hopefully, I think, I think Clay Thompson, I think he'll have a recovery kind of like Paul George. I think he's. I think he'll be all right. I think he'll have a recovery just like kind of how Paul George's recovery has been. He'll come back probably better. Um, and then I think I still think Steph is like within his prom. Um, I, I do think they still need to probably another piece, um, like one more piece to say. You know, you wouldn't be surprised if they win a championship. But I don't think. I think with like with LA, with how LA is going, like I don't think that they can compete with with them on that level. To be honest, but. If they were to get like another piece, they probably, I mean, they didn't really. Fall I, don't, that much. I, I don't think they can. Yeah, I don't, yeah with this contract at this point, it's like they really kind of, like, yeah, like, but I mean, but you can also say, what if D Lo fucking explodes? What if he just, what if this shit, what if this situation was the best situation he could have been put in and we see a whole other type of player? Like, you know what I mean? Like, anything can happen with the NBA. That's anything true. Anything can happen. Yeah, and he's been moved around the league. D'Lo never, he's never gotten to settle down nowhere so far. He's still young. I mean, it'll be interesting to see the dynamic between him and Curry. Yeah, how 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 that will work. Um, because like you know, like last year with the Nets, he had his breakout season. He was averaging twenty a game. Uh, he was an All Star, but we'll see how will he. He'll, you know, obviously take the back seat to Curry. 
but we'll see what he does on playing on a team with that, you know, of that caliber, what he does with it. It'll be interesting to see. And I do like how the NBA now is uh, more even with all of the stars all over, with like the, the West and the, the Eastern Conference. I think that works great for marketing, you know, for the league and like smaller markets too. So it's going to be, it's going to be a fun season for sure. You know, I remember last summer when uh, DeMarcus, he went to the Golden State and everybody was like, man, it's over. Like, why are we even going to watch basketball? Like, we already already know who's going to win the title, you know? And it didn't happen. We didn't, nobody, I know nobody that saw the Raptors coming in and winning the title. Right. You know, I didn't, I didn't even like that. Wasn't even, I, I looked at that trade like I was like, oh, well, I guess the Raptors want to lose in the conference finals again. Like, and I'm a Kawhi fan. You can attest. I'm one of, I'm one of the only ones that eat that called this shit about Kawhi getting this good back in like 2014, 2013. And even them, even with this trade, even with him going to, to like Toronto. I did. I, I kind of. I felt like. To, I felt like Kawhi was going to make this development into this type of player, but even going to Toronto, I didn't think he was going to be able to make to allow him to win a championship because the the West is was is, is it was that good and the Warriors with Durant and still even with Cousins, we nobody thought it, they could be fucked with, but shit happens. Yeah, and injuries are an unfortunate you know part of the game. But that's just something teams have to deal with, you know. It's got it's about the next man up. And as we saw, the Warriors, they just didn't have enough in the gas tank against the Raptors team that was red hot, you know, coming off the conference finals. You know. Um it'll be interesting to see what happens with the Raptors team uh moving forward. You know, they still have Lowry, they still have Pascal, who's coming to his own. Or still is coming into his own. They got um, they got um the the shooter. I can't think of his name. Van Vliet. Yeah, they got Van Vliet. He he was uh after his after they said that his child was born, he just went crazy. Like yeah. he he just started hitting everything. He was struggling before that, but after that, he was playing lights out from beyond, you know, the three point line, and uh. They just got a lot of good pieces. Mark Gasol, you know, he's still effective. Not as good as he once was, obviously, because of age, but he still is effective. Didn't he go um, somewhere else, though? Didn't, uh, let, me, let me look. I, I thought he went somewhere else. I thought that was one of the... Uh, I thought when... Let me check right quick. Let me check. Because I was like, oh, hell nah, man. That shit, just, that, that kind of sucks. I must. I might have been looking at something else. Might have been looking at his brother, Pau Gasol. Yeah, I th- I think that. Yeah, I might have been looking at that. Cause he yeah, just cause he still yeah. yeah he still plays for Toronto. I was looking at uh Pau. I didn't know Pau was still in the league. I was like, what? I the didn't fuck? either. I didn't either, bro. I was I like, either. damn, that nigga old as hell. Yeah, that's that's what it was. Cause I was like, hold up, that, I was like mindful about whatever I saw. I was like, yo, and it must have been him like signing a. a Bullshit contract or something. I don't know. Retiring or something. Yeah. But, yeah, I am excited. I'm excited about the NBA, how it looks now, and what will happen. Yeah, it's looking like anything can really happen with how the league is. Like, it's duos everywhere. It's, it's a, 
I'm still here. Yeah, I'm, I'm here. Yeah, I had uh, I had just like a phone call real quick. Uh, all right. But um, I was gonna say yeah, man. Like I was. Excited about, I had the phone call again, not to, but um, I was just excited about what's to come because of the potential of a lot of these teams um, that are coming up with this, the spread being as even as it is. But another thing I've seen as of today that sparked a huge debate is that of the uh, 2010s or the, yeah, of this past decade that we've had, you know, going into 2020, Kobe was named on the NBA all uh, all team, all third team. Like he was named to the third team of best players, I guess, within this decade. And people were debating that. I just want to ask you about that. What'd you think about him being included on that list? Well, he played what until 2015. I think it was 26. I want to say it was 2016. He played um, 2016. Uh, why would they have him at third team? Well, I mean, he won those titles in the early two, uh, early like what was it, 2011 and 2012. But I'm saying, why would they have him? I because mean, who was, who because he was hurt. Ahead of him? Because he was hurt. Um, I'm gonna have to look it up. He was hurt like his last year or so. After he he messed up his knee, he wasn't the same player, and obviously because of age, he still played had a decade. He got what two rings within the decade. Like I'm trying to figure out who the two who two players they would have ahead of him. Third team all decade. Okay, so the third team all decade was Dwayne Wade, Paul George, Kobe Bryant, Giannis, and Lamarcus Aldridge. This, the third team, let me see what the second team, second team all decade. Do you hear me? Yeah, I'm here. Okay, second team all decade. Westbrook, Blake Griffin, Chris Paul, Anthony Davis, Carmelo Anthony. And the first team all decade, LeBron, Curry, Kawhi, Durant, Harden. So what do you think about that? I don't know how you can put Westbrook over him. Well, we got to look at it from the standpoint of Kobe wasn't the same player he was, like, after those knee – I mean, after that knee injury. I mean, and, and yeah, that and was Westbrook halfway. Westbrook is going to play this whole decade, too. Yeah, yeah. Kobe only played, like, what, half the decade? So, yeah. for him okay. to make it to the third team is – I mean, I think that's, you know, that's great. You could argue, know. you could argue though, like why is Carmelo second team all decade? Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> I mean, I don't really know about that the Carmelo one. Yeah, that that was that that was crazy right there. But I don't know, man. I just I feel like, like I said, I feel like when it comes to like actually winning, Westbrook just doesn't he, he doesn't win at all in my opinion. Like when it when it's compared to his peers. So I feel like that doesn't affect his stats. I mean, I don't really have a problem with Westbrook being there. I mean, I, I don't, I, I can't disagree with it, but I mean, I personally, I, I would, I would probably still, I don't know, I don't, I don't see. That's not wrong. 
But I don't know. I, so I, I'm what, being biased, man. So would you put would you put Westbrook as third team and then put Kobe second team? Yeah. Okay. Because a lot of people are saying they think Kobe should be first team. Hell no. Over those are those those are no no no. They didn't say over anybody. They're just saying he should be first team. Oh oh, just included in that group. Okay, I get yeah. it. I get it. Oh um, yeah. What's first team again? But then there's people saying he shouldn't even be included because he. I'm looking at a tweet. Somebody said uh, this dude named Massive Juventus fan from Twitter. How can Kobe make an all-decade team when he hasn't done anything for seventy percent of that decade? I mean, I don't. I, I think he should be included because, I mean, look at those the way he was playing. He was a god when they won those titles. Um, in the what was it, 2011? 2011, and it was a, one more year. Like 2010, what? Uh, it was like nine and eleven, wasn't it? Something like that, yeah. But he was, was a god. No, he went back to back. Yeah, it was back to back. It was, I think, wasn't it 2010 and 2011? I, I think that's what it was. Yeah, I'm gonna look that up. It was one of it was. I think they. I know. I'm pretty sure they were back to back. But I, I think he only had. Cause I think that would change my opinion. If he only had one ring, and you know he did play. I mean, he played. He he didn't. He played for more than he played for around seventy percent of this decade. I don't know where it was. It wasn't twenty eleven because didn't uh didn't Dallas win it in twenty eleven? Uh yeah, they won it in twenty eleven. Nah, so it had to be two thousand nine and two thousand ten. Yeah, it was nine and ten. I'm yep. Nine yeah, so he only won one. Championship technically of this decade. Yeah, I can see. I can. I I can give him. You know, the last decade and all that. So yeah, I can't really disagree with that list. I just like I know I, I might be biased towards Westbrook because I feel like, you know, it's. I feel like it's a lot of players in the NBA that can average a triple double with how the rules are, but I don't feel like. I feel like they don't have to do that because, you know, they they are they're in better situations. And or they win. I mean, like I just feel like sometimes Westbrook he does stat pass. Yeah, most of the time. Yeah, he uh, he gets away with a lot of um, a lot of BS with that. You know, people don't. I, well, his teammates, I guess he he has an agreement with them because they don't say nothing to him. Seem like. I mean, this film of like Stephen Adams, where he's like seven feet something. Moving yeah. out of the way, just letting him get the rebound. Yeah, which I, I don't mean, understand. I don't understand it. I, I mean, I think it's because they wanted to. It was a bigger push to have him like to be like a, a kind of like a face of a, of the league in a way. But I mean, you gets hard to do that when you're not winning shit. Yeah, you keep getting eliminated from the first round of the playoffs. But no matter how many triple doubles you have, you're not. It makes you look worse if you're averaging triple doubles and you're not winning shit. Right, <laughs> and all the players, and one of the play, what? KD got what? Two rings. Yep. Harden Sir, to the Serge Ibaka got a ring. Serge got a ring. Harden done fucking glitched the NBA, and he, I think Harden to get a, at least a ring. And Harden's been to the. He's been back to the conference finals. Right, and he's went to hold of the team, and he's the face of that team, and I think he's gonna be. With the beard, they can probably try to make him one of the faces. Of, well, he is one of the faces of the league. Like, he's fucking glitched the league. Like, and then Oladipo, you know, hopefully he comes back from this injury. I think he was really heading in a, like, he was heading in a, a great 
a great direction. So with all that, like, damn, man, that shit don't look good for Westbrook. It really don't. And I, I, I don't even really want to blame it on Westbrook. I think it's more so on Billy Donovan. I don't know why they kept Billy Donovan, man. He just he's not made for the NBA. Yeah, I don't know. Look at that team he had. Like, really, I feel like if anybody else coached that team, they they could have probably won a championship with that Thunder team, dude. It's like they were out there just playing off a of team chemistry, bro. If you really go back and why they ain't really run no plays. Yeah, Billy Donovan, he hasn't he hasn't done much as the coach there. He's just been under the radar. That's one of those teams where I, I could have said you could even have Mike D'Antoni coach that uh 2012 Thunder team. And I think he would have been able to put them get them over the hump. Because what they lost to the Heat 4-1? It was a 4-1 uh, or 4-2. I think it was 4-2. I'm not sure about that. Cause I All remember right. KD, cause KD was showing flash, like he can't, he nobody could stop him that series, dude. Back then, like he was out there cutting shit up. But the Heat was, I mean, that was the Heat were just that good. But I just feel like, yeah, they just didn't have like Billy Donovan is just like not that good of a coach. Like he's he's not good at all. All they needed was a little bit more coaching on that end, on that on that side because they were young. Right, so, it's a very young team. That's a team that needed, like, a veteran coach. Instead of Billy Donovan, man, he didn't know what he was doing. He still don't know what he's doing. Yeah, it might be time for him to go back to college. Great college coach, because, shit, the way he won with Florida, like, wow. I, I watched a documentary on that, like, wow. Like, yeah, he had NBA players. He had really good NBA players. But, I mean, that was a good time of the, in college basketball at that time. Like, that team, where the way he got the, he brought that team up, Nobody really predict, predicted that and, like, foresaw that the Florida Gators went back-to-back national national titles. Yeah, that's insane looking back how difficult that was. Going to get with UCLA and shit. I think, what, did they go against the UCLA team at Westbrook? Uh, I think that was a little bit before it. I think that, yeah, was, that, right that was before his time. I think they had Collison. That was, like, when Collison was balling out with UCLA. Like, it was around that time when they had, like, Farmar and all them, like, when UCLA was fucking balling and Florida was getting that shit done. Yeah, I give Billy Donovan that that credit, but in the NBA it ain't it ain't cutting it, man. <laughs> yeah. He's holding Westbrook back, I think. But. So um <clears throat> on that note, you think we about covered everything for this episode? I think this is a good episode, you know, just trying to stay consistent with it. I just had, had a couple of things in my mind, you know, just try to keep keep the knowledge flowing, keep the water flowing, as they say. All right. Well, on that note, I'm Stefan. This is Monquay. And we are the Divine Council Podcast. See y'all next time. Peace. Peace, man.